Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. It's Monday, August 22nd, 2022, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, this week we are continuing our study on the book of Genesis, and we will specifically be looking at Genesis chapter 18, uh, picking up in verse 16 and going through the end of chapter 19. Now, even before we begin, I want to warn anyone who might be listening to this on a commute or in your car where young children uh, can also hear this, that this this is definitely one of the places from God's word uh, that really gets out of a PG-13 nature and goes truly to an R, even to a bit of an explicit content. And so if you've got young children, uh, you may not want to listen to this in front of them uh, just because God's word is is extremely uh, descriptive in the sin and the brokenness that is happening. Now, What I hope that we will see, even as we listen and even as we read uh, Genesis 18 and 19, and we see what God is trying to teach us and tell us, I hope that we will also understand that amidst this depravity, that not only was this a historical account of God's faithfulness to Abraham and God's faithfulness even to Lot and his family, But this is also a guide or reminders for us today of how we can live and navigate through a depraved culture. And so ultimately, even as we read some of these X-rated portions of what is happening in Sodom and Gomorrah, and not just what is happening in Sodom and Gomorrah, but how it has affected and impacted Lot and his family, and how the stains of that depraved culture have truly infiltrated Lot and his family, I hope that we will also be able to see that we live in a culture that is honestly not too dissimilar from what we see. And there are things that we can learn so that ultimately we can navigate today's culture, but also exalt Christ in today's culture. And so if you were tracking with us, we uh, were in chapter 17 uh, and the first uh, half of chapter 18 last week, and the Lord renews the covenant with Abraham. But God had made many promises to bless Abraham, not just in chapter 17 or chapter 15, but also all the way back in Genesis 12, when God first called Abraham to leave the Ur of Chaldeans and to go to a country. And so this is what the Lord said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verses one through three. He said, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse and in you all the families of the earth earth shall be blessed. So God had promised not only to bless Abraham, but that he would be a blessing to others. And so as we pick up in verse 16 of chapter 18, we're going to see the Lord stay true even to that promise and even amidst great wickedness in the land. And in return, we're going to see these reminders and a guide for navigating a culture that continues to fall further and further into sin and depravity. So my hope is that we will see this guide that we will understand God's faithfulness and that we will pick up some ways that we can truly navigate this culture 
that we live in and not just navigate the culture, but ultimately exalt Christ. So picking up in verse 16 of Genesis chapter 18, it says, then the men set out from there. And, and these are the men who had come to visit Abraham and Sarah to, to remind them that, hey, this time next year, we're going to come back and you're going to have a son. So this is the Lord and two angels is what we understand. And Abraham, it says, went with them and set them on their way. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. In other words, God is having this internal monologue with himself. I'm going to tell. Abraham, because I've promised him, I'm going to let him know what I'm going to do with Sodom and Gomorrah. For I have chosen him that he should command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I will go down and see rather that rather they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. So the men turned from there and went toward Sodom, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous and the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away in place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom 50 righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered and said, Behold, I've undertaken to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the city for the lack of five? And he, being the Lord, said, I will not destroy it for forty-five there. Again, Abraham spoke to him and said, Suppose forty are found there. The Lord answered, For the sake of forty, I will not do it. Then Abraham said, Oh, let the Lord not be angry, and I will speak. Suppose thirty are found there. And the Lord answered, I will not do it if I find thirty there. So Abraham said, Behold, I've undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose twenty are found there. And he answered, For the sake of twenty, I will not destroy it. Then Abraham said, Oh, let the Lord not be angry, and I will speak again but this once. Suppose ten are found there. And the Lord answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way, and we had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. So then chapter 19, verse 1, the two angels came from Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth and said, My lords, please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go on your way. And they said, No, we will spend the night in the town square. But he pressed them strongly, so they turned aside to him and entered into his house. And he made a feast and made unleavened bread, and they ate. And just to pause real quick, again, notice the posture of Lot. He's sitting in the city gate. The significance of that means that, that Lot would have been a leader of the city. He would have been somebody of prominence in the city. But even though he was a leader, even though, as we will see later in other cross-references, Lot was called righteous, Lot cannot influence the culture. These angels are going to spend the night in the middle of the city, and Lot is like, no, it is way, way too dangerous. So although Lot was a leader, he had lost his influence. And that's important as we see what will happen here. So verse 4, but before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house. And they called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out that we may know them. Lot went out to the men at the entrance and shut the door after him. He said, I beg you, brothers, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you, and you do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. And it's again that we pause to see Lot is bargaining with his virgin daughters. 
bargaining with these men who are trying to practice homosexuality with his virgin daughters. You can see that the depraved culture of Sodom and Gomorrah had impacted Lot and his leadership. Verse 9, but the angel said, stand back. And they said, the fellow came to sojourner and he has become a judge. I'm sorry, that was not the angels. That was the, the, the men of the city. They say, stand back. This fellow has come to sojourn and he's become a judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. And they pressed hard against the man Lot and drew near to break the door down. But the men, these are the angels, reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house, both great and small, so that they wore themselves out groping for the door. Then the men said to Lot, have you anywhere else here, sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city, bring them out of this place. For we are about to destroy this place because the outcry against its people has become great before the Lord and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and said to his son-in-laws who were to marry his daughters, up, get out of this place for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But he seemed to his son-in-laws to be jesting. As morning dawned, the angel urged Lot, up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But Lot lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and they set him outside the city. As they brought them out, one said, escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. And Lot said to them, Oh no, my lords, behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have shown me great kindness in saving my life, but I cannot escape to the hills, lest a disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, this city is near enough to flee to, and it's a little one. Let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my life will be saved. And the angel said to him, Behold, I grant you this favor also, but I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing until you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zor, or Little City. And the sun had risen on the earth when the light came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah, sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. And he looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah and towards all the land of the valley. And he looked and behold, the smoke of the land went up by the smoke of a furnace. So it was that when God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. Now Lot went up from Zoar and lived in the hills with his two daughters, for he was afraid to live in Zoar. So he lived in a cave with his two daughters. And the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old and there is not a man on earth to come in uh, to us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve offspring from our father. So they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father. He did not know when she lay down or when she arose. And the next day the firstborn said to the younger, Behold, I lay last night with my father. Let us make him drink wine again tonight, that we may go in and lie with him, and that may preserve offspring from our father. So they made their father drink wine that night also. The younger arose and lay with him, and he did not know when she lay down and when she arose. Thus both the daughters of Lot became pregnant by their father. The firstborn born a son, and he called his name Moab. He is the father of Moabites to this day. The younger also bore a son, and they called his name Benami, and he is the father of the Ammonites to this day. Brothers and sisters, so much depravity that we find in these two chapters. But ultimately, 
Like we said in the beginning, I hope that we can see some reminders on how to navigate a depraved culture. Because even as we read this and we blush through these words that we find here in Genesis 18 and 19, the truth of the matter is that our culture that we're living in would not blush at this, but call it normal. So the first thing, the first reminder of how to navigate our depraved culture is to trust God. Brothers and sisters, he is faithful to his word and to his promise. And we see that in chapter 18, verses 16 through 21. God wants to bring Abraham into his plan to judge the city of Sodom. And God's plan for Abraham and his people is that they would be a blessing to all nations. So God wants to tell Abraham that he's going to do so that Abraham can be a blessing to the people of Sodom, but also so that he and his household would, as verse 19 says, keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Abraham and his offspring were meant to be a living illustration that communicated to the world what justice and righteousness look like. God wants the nations around Israel to be able to learn what justice and righteousness actually look like from Abraham. And God's plan was that Abraham would ultimately, would ultimately be the one who would bless the nations, that his offspring would bless the nations. And we ultimately know that that is a, that is a, a prophecy to Jesus the Christ. And also we see in here that, that the Lord says he comes down to, to make a determination. But we know that the Lord is omniscient. He knows all things. He doesn't need to come down to see anything or to make any kind of determination. God doesn't need to discover anything. What he needed to do was to demonstrate to Abraham his faithfulness, his righteousness, his knowledge, and his justice. The Lord had been long-suffering and patient in waiting for Sodom and Gomorrah to turn from their wickedness. As a matter of fact, we know that over, three, that over two decades have passed since Lot first went into Sodom and Gomorrah, and there was no repentance. So now the Lord is exacting his judgment. And even in the midst of complete and total wickedness and depravity, we must always remember that the Lord is 100% true to his word, to his promises, and to his character. Beloved, in the same way, even in a sin-sick, depraved culture, which calls good evil and evil good, the one that we now live in, we know that we can fully trust God to act in justice, righteousness, love, and faithfulness. When God makes himself known to, to Moses in Exodus chapter 34, this is what he says about himself. He says, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Beloved, trust God because he is always faithful to his word and his promises, even in the midst of depraved culture. But this brings us to the second reminder on how to navigate a depraved culture, and that is that prayer is effective and necessary. Intercessory prayer is effective and necessary. Abraham approaches the Lord on behalf of his cousin Lot and any who are righteous left in Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham knows his place and to bargain and plead with God. Over and over, he, he pleads with God for forgiveness for pleading, but he also says, I'm but dust and ashes, and who am I to approach the Lord? But Abraham intercedes with the Lord to use the righteousness left in Sodom to bless the city and ultimately to redeem the city. Beloved, this should be a reminder to us that we are left as a remnant of God-fearing and Christ-exalting people who are meant to be a blessing to our neighborhoods, our communities, our cities, our states, our nations, and our world, even as we are vastly outnumbered by a perverse culture. 
We must intercede for one another, our brothers and our sisters around the world. They continually ask for the gospel of the Lord to transform the lives of the broken and the depraved. Abraham starts praying, interceding, crying out to God for the people of Sodom. Ultimately, he's praying for the righteous, but he's also praying for the salvation of Sodom. He loved the people that were there, and he had a heart for what was happening in the city. While Abraham wanted God's justice, he also wrestled with God over the salvation of this people group. We find ultimately that there, there weren't 10 righteous people left in Sodom. However, the Lord does listen to Abraham's prayer, and he saves Lot and his family, a family that was at least trying to honor the Lord somewhat with their lives. We need to know that interceding for the nations, our country, and our cities is both effective and necessary. May we be completely marked as a people of prayer who depend not on ourselves to change hearts and minds, but those who wrestle together and act, begging the Lord to show forth his glory. James chapter 5, starting in verse 16, it says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah, he was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Oh, brothers and sisters, let us pray on behalf of of the loss. Let us pray on behalf of our brothers and sisters by name who are struggling. Let us pray that they would have boldness to preach the gospel. And let's pray on behalf of the lost by name because intercessory prayer is effective and necessary. So in this depraved culture, we need to trust God. We need to pray. But third, we never need to stop preaching the gospel. You see, depravity always goes from bad to worse, but we must never stop preaching the gospel. Three had gone to Abraham and two left for Sodom, and the Lord remained with Abraham. In Sodom, the angels find Lot sitting at the gate. And again, this indicates that Lot had obtained a position of leadership, of influence, a a position of prominence. Lot knew the conditions of Sodom and that the visitors uh, wouldn't be safe in the town square. And so he implores them to come and to stay at his house. This is what 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 6-7 through seven says about this scene. It says, If by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what was going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked. So what we learn, even in 2 Peter, is Lot was a righteous man. However, he had lost his influence. He had been in Sodom long enough to see the wickedness grow and the depravity go deeper but he also became more comfortable and lost his influence. In verse 9, the people resent that he is judging them. In verse 14, he urgently warns his son-in-laws to flee, but they think he is merely jesting. Beloved, as a culture becomes more depraved, which it will do, we must grow bolder, more resolute, and we must never lose our gospel witness and influence. Lai compromised and not only lost his gospel influence, but he also had not led his family to think differently than the culture. This begs the question for all of us living in this day and age and living in this culture. What have we grown comfortable with? Do we laugh at sin that we view in entertainment? Does the word of God inform our worldview? Or does the culture and the world affect the way we see God's word? 
We must never be surprised that depravity goes from bad to worse, but we must never compromise or lose our influence or lose our witness. Lot knew the danger and he warned the guest, but he still persisted to live among the culture. It doesn't seem that Lot was an evangelist influencing the culture, but that he himself was influenced by the culture. Lot enjoyed the wealth, the ease, and the recognition that Sodom provided. He didn't like the unrighteousness, but he put up with it so that he could have his own version of unrighteousness. We see in verse 4 that the depravity is so rampant that it's generational. It's the young and the old. And it actually says it's all the people. They want to molest the man, the men staying in Lot's house. Instead of standing up against the unrighteousness, Lot is so familiar with the normalization of sin and sexual perversion that he trades one heinous act for for another, and he offers his virgin daughters to the rabble in order for them to molest his daughters. Beloved, this shows us that Lot believed things about women and other lies taught by the culture of Sodom that would have been obviously untrue to a God-fearing person. However, again, Lot wasn't influencing the culture, but allowing the culture to corrupt himself and his family. But then we see the extreme nature of depravity. The two guests strike the men with blindness. But verse 11 tells us they persisted their advances of perverse sexuality, and they were only stopped by exhaustion. The wickedness was rampant. Ezekiel speaks of these people in an interesting way in his prophecy. He says in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49 and 50, he says, Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, excess food, and prosperous ease, but they did not aid the poor and the needy. They were haughty and did an abomination before me, so I removed them when I saw it. It appears that sexual slavery, abuse, and dominance was rampant in Sodom. But beloved, don't don't miss it. Where did it begin? It began with wealth, with ease, with abundance, with prosperity, and with idle time. In their idleness and their wealth, pride developed and grew to the point that they were allowed to objectify and dominate other human beings made in the image of God. But Lot, instead of preaching the gospel, instead of being one of those 50 45, 30, 20, or 10 righteous people that Abraham had prayed for to affect and impact the culture with the glory of God, Lot became comfortable. He was satisfied. Yeah, he held his nose at the unrighteousness. Yeah, he knew it was dangerous, but he compromised because he loved the ease. He loved the wealth. He loved the idle time way too much. Beloved, let me ask us, In this culture that we live in, do we put up with the unrighteousness? Does the unrighteousness maybe even have us to the point that we've forgotten how to blush? Are we so comfortable with this culture? Because ultimately, we can find prosperity, we can find ease, and we can find idle time. Oh, this is a scary similar scene to the world and culture we find ourselves in. And the Lord is pleading with us through Genesis to use our lives for gospel influence while avoiding blending in with the culture or allowing the world to infiltrate our lives. Beloved, we must preach the gospel. But this brings us to the fourth reminder, and it's similar to the last, but we've been called to never flirt with total depravity nor to ever compromise. We see in verse 16, It says that Lot lingered in the midst of an impending judgment of God upon Sodom. If it wasn't already abundantly obvious 
This shows us that Lot had taken root in this pagan and corrupt culture. Sodom wasn't just where Lot served and lived. It was becoming normal and comfortable. Beloved, we must be careful to know that we are strangers and aliens in this world, and we cannot take up root. Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11-12, through 12, Beloved, I urge you, how as sojourners, as aliens, as exiles, to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. We cannot adapt to the culture around us or be tempted to believe that speaking the gospel or following God's word is unloving. Our doctrine is informed by God's word. Culture should never dictate our doctrine nor how we read God's word. After Lot lingers, the guests give very specific instructions in verse 17. Escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills lest you be swept away. The guests didn't want to get Lot in his didn't want to just get Lot and his family out. They wanted them to head to the hills. In other words, they wanted them to flee. However, even to this, Lot asked to go to another city. He still wanted a taste of what Sodom had offered. He didn't want to live in the hills. While the Lord honors the request and the family flees, the judgment of the Lord begins to rain down on Sodom and Gomorrah. Sulfur and fire begin to destroy these cities, and Lot's wife looks back. This is not just like craning your neck at a wreck on the side of the road. This is not just looking back to see what's happening. This was not just her seeing the just and right judgment of God, but she is longingly looking back at the life that she now craves. She misses the depravity. When we compromise and flirt with depravity, it will destroy us. When we try to alter God's precepts, his words, or even the gospel, to somehow make it more palatable for depraved culture. We are dangerously compromising the beauty and the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Love, this is not our home. And this world and its trappings are fading. May our hearts be longing not for the offerings of this world, but may we be craving for our Father's return. We must know that our lives will be countercultural. And there will be some that call themselves Christian, that do not understand our countercultural lives. There will be some in this culture who will war against us, saying that we are unloving and intolerant. But beloved, it is only loving to preach the whole counsel of the gospel. Jesus says in Luke 17, 28-32, He says, Likewise, just as in the days of Lot, there will be eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So it will be on that day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in his house not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. May we never flirt with total depravity nor ever compromise. But instead, heed the warnings and run to the hills. Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes, where to the hills? From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth, the Lord who neither slumbers nor sleeps. But beloved, this brings us to the fifth and final reminder of how to navigate a depraved culture. So ultimately we trust God, we pray, we preach the gospel, we never compromise, and then last, We see that even the redeemed need daily grace to not let culture influence our worldview.
God had raised his daughters in such a backwards pagan place and had apparently not been able to have a voice in their lives because of his own hypocritical life. Their whole view of sexuality and family and offspring and having children was so backwards. Somehow they convinced themselves that procreating with their father was a great idea. The culture is consistently discipling us and our children. Let me say that again, beloved. The culture is consistently discipling us and our children. But we must never let it influence our worldview or our actions. And the only way that we can resist it is through the daily grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need God's abundant grace. Beloved, we must disciple our children. We must speak God's truth to our children. If we don't, entertainment is discipling them. The culture is consistently discipling them. It's consistently in their ear. It's consistently on their device. It's consistently on the TV. It's consistently mixed in with technology. The culture is discipling us and our children. And we need God's daily grace to go to his word and to take our family to his word. The consequences of Lot, and by extension his daughter's action, was disastrous. They would birth from their father some of Israel's worst enemies, the Moabites and the Amicalites. The Moabites who were hated and were a thorn in the flesh of Israel. The Malachites who also were hated and a thorn in Israel's flesh that brought them much difficulty and trouble. Beloved, this was because of compromise. May we continually, though, as God's people, hold the banner of Christ in a dark and hostile culture. And may we daily rely on the sweet grace of God. It is only by the daily and momentary grace of God that we can stand firm in a depraved culture and world. Thank you for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. This week, we are praying for the country of Romania and the ministry that we're able to see happen in this beautiful country, the country of Romania. And so let's pray for our partners in Romania, adoption in Romania, and the people of Romania. Father, we just come to you and we lift up this nation of Romania. We thank you for the ways that we see you working, even in the lives of our partners uh, in and amidst Romania. We're so grateful for uh, their lives, for their work, and for what they do each and every day. God, we just ask that you would continually uh, minister to these partners, that you would continually help them know your goodness and your grace and your mercy. And Father, we pray specifically today that you would bring more mission-minded families uh, to Lifeline, Romanian background families who desire to bring a child into their home from Romania. And Lord, we praise you as well for Petri and Kyle Groza and for their three girls, Lydia, Miriam, and Sophia. We're thankful for Rinjin Foundation, the ministry that they serve. And we're so grateful that, the, that they are reaching the unreached in these local villages in and around Fagaras. And Lord, we just ask that you would give them strength, that you would give them community, uh, and Lord, that you would uh, give them favor, even as they minister amongst the discriminated gypsy people and families living in harsh conditions. And Lord, we thank you so much for the way that the Grozas have hosted many refugees from Ukraine in their home and have gone above and beyond to help those who've been impacted by the war, even hosting 23 refugees at their camp. And Lord, we, we just ask that you would continue to strengthen the local Romanian church and uh, that you would see this church lean in to care for vulnerable children and to lean in and to care for orphans. Father, for 
the, the, the team that the Grozas have put together for Carly and Morella and Bianca. Father, would you establish them and establish their leadership? Would you use them in the lives of these children, in the lives of this ministry? Would you also raise up volunteers for the Ringen team as they are short-staffed? Lord, we also pray for our other partner, Romania Without Orphans, and our contacts there for Nathan Burke and Alex Ely and Charles and Anelia de Velger. Lord, we pray for Alex and his wife, Natalia, as they've adopted an extremely special needs child. We ask for his health and that you would bring him and restore his health. Would you be with Alex even as he makes plans to go into Ukraine and bring orphans and vulnerable children who are vulnerable back into Romania to find hope, to find healing, and to find safety. Lord, we pray for the National Authority for Adoption and for our contact there. We pray that we would continue to develop a a strong relationship and communication would be clear. We pray for uh, Ms. Cherichis, the president of the National Authority in Romania. We know that she is a strong advocate for adoption domestically and, and internationally, and also as a believer. We, we ask that you would just help her to take steps to, to make the domestic and international adoption programs in Romania stronger and able to, to serve more families. We ask for wisdom and discernment for our Lifeline team, for Jana and Jackie and Brianna and Brooke and Timmy Ann. We pray for our unadopted team and pray that you would continue to give them wisdom as we seek to serve there in Romania. We just ask that our unadopted partnerships would continue to grow in Romania. We just pray for our partners and for Josh as he leads and guides Eurasia and specifically the relationship with Petri. We pray that, that we will be wise in our relationships and our trainings. And we're thankful for all that we have been able to do to lead and guide well in our global care initiative there in Romania. Lord, would you take these meager offerings and would you exponentially grow them for your glory in and through the people, the orphans, the vulnerable children, the vulnerable families in the nation of Romania. It's in your great name that we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.